0: For the next segment of The Remedy, I'm going to explore the humanist worldview in order to find out what humanists think about healing. Now, for those of you wondering what exactly humanism is, well, let me say this. If you're atheist, agnostic, or just broadly secular, you are most likely humanist even if you don't realise it. In its most simple form, humanism is a system of belief that puts humans, rather than God, at the centre this means that humanists believe we should all aim to be good people and contribute to society in our lifetimes not because it will please god or might secure our spot in heaven but because it will benefit other humans according to humanism life has its own intrinsic value and that value does not come from god having given it meaning whether or not god exists We cannot deny the significance and meaning of the lives of humanity's greats, like Shakespeare or Marie Curie. As a result of this human focus, humanists are generally atheists, not least because they advocate a critical and scientific approach, which means they are sceptical of the idea that supernatural beings such as gods, angels or demons exist. Nonetheless, there is no centralised humanist manifesto which humanists must support in order to be humanist. In fact, humanists vary in their beliefs and on the whole may be wary of conformity. Naturally then, there is also no centralised single humanist organisation and humanists are generally critical of vast institutions like the Church. Humanists believe that no institution should try to tell us what to think, believe and do. Instead, we should try to discover who we are and how best to fulfil our potential. We are all unique and should celebrate our individuality and autonomy by making our own decisions for our own sake rather than for God. With their emphasis on the power of reason, humanists look towards science to answer life's big questions. Their attitude to health, healing and medicine follows this pattern. Sickness is a physical condition with a physical cause and therefore needs a physical cure, humanists believe. Humanists place great faith and respect in humanity's scientific advancements, which are an example of human achievement and our flourishing as a species. We should therefore make the most of what science has to offer and trust our doctors when we are sick. In response to faith healing, then, a humanist would say that the reasonable likelihood of a healing miracle occurring is very slim as it would go against what our experience shows us is possible. Therefore, it is far more likely that there is a rational explanation for the event. For instance, that people just sometimes get better through the body's natural processes of recovery. Another explanation might be the placebo effect. That the patient's belief in the power of the miracle is so strong that the mind is able to convince the body it is healed. Many healing miracles have been proven to be fake or explained scientifically. Darren Brown has a series of videos on YouTube where he exposes different faith healing miracles as magic tricks by explaining exactly how they are performed. Fraudulent healing miracles are nothing new. Peter Popoff was found to be wearing an earpiece through which he was being fed personal information about his congregants, which he pretended had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, in order to win their trust and take their money. Where there is no deception involved, claims of miraculous healing may be colorful interpretations of unusual natural events, as the British Humanist Association puts it. Therefore, we should always examine the evidence and weigh up the probabilities based on our previous experiences. In practice, this means turning to science, a human enterprise, rather than God for healing. Finally, without God, it makes no sense for humanists to believe in reincarnation or life after death it means understanding that this life is the only life we have and we should embrace it we should focus on the present the now rather than our past mistakes or what may happen after we die humanists believe we only have one life so we should try and make the most of it i'm joined by david flint the vice chair of the north london humanists Thank you very much for coming, David. Let me start by asking, what does humanism mean to you?
1: Well, I think you've already said a good deal of what I might say, and actually in rather more eloquent words. Um, Let me sum it up with a a quote from Bertrand Russell. He says, the good life is one inspired by love and guided by science. I think that's a reasonable potted summary. I'm not sure I can live up to that, but that's what I'd like to do. That's what I see as humanism as, as requiring of us.
0: And can you tell our listeners the story of how you came to be a humanist?
1: Well, I suppose I can. Um, It all gets a bit complicated, but for essentially social reasons in my teens, I attended a, a Christian church. I was always doubtful about the doctrine. I didn't become confirmed. I was very uncertain about the doctrine. And this continued. But actually, there were two ministers of religion who were responsible for my departure from such faith as I had. Uh, One was a Methodist minister who was my RE teacher at school. He liked to run the RE classes as an argument about ideas. And so the RE class tended to turn into a sort of intellectual tennis match between me and him since he would generally take an orthodox view, and I would always take an unorthodox view. And this taught me skills of analysis and debating, which I'm sure have served me well. I got on personally very well with him, and he regarded me as a useful foil for the points he wanted to make, and I thought the same about him. So that worked very well. Going into the sixth form, he gave us all to read a book called Honest to God, by John Robinson, who was then the Bishop of Liverpool. This was a work of theology. I won't attempt to summarise it because it's wholly beyond my ability, but at the time it persuaded me completely that if this was what Christianity was, then I wanted no part of it. It simply had no intelligible content, and I therefore stopped going to church. And you must understand that when I say that, I mean that I had been going every week, and I stopped and never went again, because that was what the logic seemed to require. I then went to a talk by a local minister at a youth fellowship. And he talked about humanism. And I thought, that's really interesting. This sounds like me. And when a few months later I went to college, I joined the Humanist Society and found indeed it was me. So then I became a humanist in both name as well as in substance. Most humanists, I find, have come to a good part of their ideas independently, and only subsequently realized that there is a label for those ideas and a coherent doctrine. Humanism, as you said, does not have a creed. It does not have a holy text. It has rather a commitment to the power of reason, a commitment to respect evidence, and a commitment to caring for other people. That, I think, is what is central to humanism, not any particular beliefs beyond that.
0: I'd absolutely agree with that. I quite like to think of humanism as almost a method, a method of approaching life, of being quite critical, asking questions and challenging things rather than a set of beliefs that you must follow in order to call yourself a humanist.
1: Would yes, you? yes, I agree with that. It doesn't always make you popular. <laughs> it, it doesn't always make you popular, even with people who are basically of the same mind, when you say, well, actually, I disagree with this particular sacred cow, And that can be a bit tricky, but I think it is what is required.
0: So, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was what differentiates humanism from other religious systems is that really there's no belief in God and particularly the afterlife. How would you therefore respond to the claim that in promising no afterlife, humanism offers no hope for those sick and suffering?
1: I think for many people, the idea that as they approach death, they face a judgment by God for those who believe in it, is really extremely worrying. And, well, it may be, because while you may think you know the mind of God, you may have read the holy texts, you also know that for any given holy text there are multiple interpretations. You may have diligently followed one view, but it may be that God has a different view about what the holy text said. So nobody, it seems to me, can go into that situation with confidence that they have done the right things and that God will smile on them what humanism brings is the sense that all that can be put aside, that we do not face a judgement after death, because death is the end of our life, it is the end of our experience. We may face our own judgement, we may look back on our lives and say, I said that I would do this, I didn't do that well, I didn't do that enough, or maybe I did that too much, but whatever it may be, it is our own judgement that holds us to account. Sometimes it may be the judgement of our families but it is not the judgment of God. That is a fear that we can put wholly aside. And I think that is valuable. And that's probably why humanists look death more straightforwardly. We know it is the end of life. My chemistry master at school said there was only one scientific law to which there were no known exceptions. That law was, thou shalt die. It's just that people get embarrassed about it. But actually, it's inevitable. And it is not something I welcome, but it is not something that I believe I can run away from.
0: Do you think there's scope for the finality of death actually to be something quite positive in humanism? You know, actually, I don't.
1: I would quite like to live forever. I really want to know what will happen in a hundred years' time. I would love that. I would like to know what will happen to my grandson and any other grandchildren. That would be really good. It's not going to happen. And actually, we all kind of know it's not going to happen, but Some of the kid ourselves. So, no, I don't think it's positive, except insofar as facing the truth always has a value. Because denying the truth leads us into all kinds of follies and errors, and therefore we must always say, where is the balance of evidence, what is it? And actually, if you don't face the threat of a vengeful God, then all there is to be feared is the things that happen prior to death, the experiences of the end of life which can be difficult there is no question but those things are common whether you are a Christian or a Muslim or a humanist.
0: I like the idea you mentioned of what we have to be afraid of is not necessarily God but ourselves and our own judgment and I suppose say a psychologist of religion might want to say something like actually what we think is God is our internalized selves judging us.
1: It seems to me that the people who believe most firmly in religion haven't formed the views themselves. They have adopted views from holy texts, from preachers, increasingly from the internet. And these are simply views they've adopted wholesale, not views they thought through for themselves. That seems to me to be unhealthy. Uh, Picking up again something you said at the beginning, we don't believe in taking things on authority. We don't believe in saying, well, it's in the holy book and therefore it must be true. All books are written by men whether they are the Bible or the Quran or the the final guru of the Sikhs, and therefore they can be set in a historical context and they can be judged.
0: Coming back to that critical approach, one of the problems I might have with that is even somebody who's a self-professed humanist, who follows a scientific method, tries to avoid bias, aims for objectivity, all those scientific and humanistic ideals, Ultimately, we can't interrogate everything. Even if we go and read a university research study, we didn't carry out the study, we didn't carry out the experiments. To some extent, everything in life largely relies on hearsay, and if we were to interrogate everything, it's not perhaps the most practical approach.
1: It's quite impractical. And therefore, as a substitute for doing it ourselves, we look to other people, friends perhaps, On appropriate matters, we may look to see what the scientific evidence is. And there are ways of judging the evidence which don't require you to be an expert. Take an example. Suppose the issue of climate change is raised. Now, you don't have to be a climate scientist. So, I don't say, let me study the models, let me look at the programming. I say, who has evaluated the models? Do the people who have evaluated the models look to me like people who are well qualified to be able to do this? Is there a consensus among scientific societies about this? And so in practice, I look for a balance of, not of authority, but of judgment. And if you do that in particular, you find that 97% of scientists with the ability to understand the work believe that climate change is real and is caused by human activity, and 3% hold some different view. So it seems to be pretty safe to say, well, actually, the majority is right. Mm. Now, I leave open the possibility that they may be wrong. And where the consensus is weaker, then you may have to follow some judgment.
0: Returning back to this question of hope and healing, what can humanism offer a sick person?
1: The obvious things are the power of science and medicine and of all the activities that now go round those in a hospital. um, The radiology, the physiotherapy, all of that I take is, is given. People need more than that. They need a decent place to live. It needs to be comfortable, it needs to be warm, and people also need a social situation. They need friends and relatives to talk to. Humanists as such can bring just our human selves by listening, by taking them seriously. We know that the mind has a power over the body in some circumstances. We know the placebo effect, we know hypnotism. As you mentioned, Darren Brown, Darren Brown uses this principle a lot. If we can encourage people to feel better about their situations, then I think that can only help the process of healing with a greater cheerfulness. And feeling cheerful is itself a value. I think humanists can do a range of things like that.
0: So what do humanists think is the point of life? Do they think it has any meaning? What What is the meaning, if it has any?
1: Well, you know, this is an odd question. Let me give the philosophical answer and then a more practical one. The philosophical answer is that meaning is a term you can attach to a statue, to a text. You can ask what a text means, but you can't ask what a pig means. Pigs don't mean anything, they just are. Well, the same is true for human life. Human life doesn't mean anything, it is. It is a thing that you experience, not an intellectual activity but actually many people do feel their life needs to have a meaning as I would say a purpose do you think you can make a contribution to society by talking to others and looking after them
0: so the final question I wanted to ask you was that some of our listeners may be interested in finding out more about how they can get involved in humanist activities and meet other humanists can you tell us a little bit about your organisation the North London Humanists and what they do
1: Okay, well, the North London Humanist Group is is quite a small group. It meets in Enfield on a monthly basis. We have social meetings, we have discussion meetings, we have a presence on the internet, so you can just look us up, North London Humanist Group, we'll be very happy to see you. Whatever your views on the existence of God, we are a non-discriminatory organisation. If you're not in North London, then you might want to look at other humanist groups And the best place to start that would be to contact the British Humanist Association, also via the web, and they will help you to find a humanist group in your area.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today, David, and for helping us to understand how humanists approach healing here on The Remedy. Before I let you go, I do just have one more final question. As we know, lots of religions draw on the power of music and worship to heal their followers. As a humanist, what song do you find speaks for your beliefs and could offer comfort for other humanists?
1: I think the obvious choice and the one I'll make is Imagine by John Lennon.